This is the business of sports. Should Major League Baseball shorten up the season? How do we present football to the audience of the future? I don't think that most players understand the power that they have. Michael Barr. The future of IndyCar racing is looking bright. Scott Soshnick. Very basic math here. More bidders means more money. Evan Novi williams The team value has essentially quadrupled. And the leaders in the sports industry. Time to bring in our guest, Hal Steinbrenner. National Hockey League Commissioner Gary Bettman. Atlanta Braves President Derek Schiller. Patriots President Jonathan Kraft. Bloomberg Business of Sports. From Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Michael Barr. I'm Evan Novi williams And I'm Scott Soshnick. Every week at this time, plus Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. On today's show, we have Dan Reed, Vice President of Global Sports and Media Partnership at Facebook. But first, let's get into the topics, starting with eSports and a lawsuit between Tifu and <laughs> Face. Clan? <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I've never I, heard of no, this. No, Bar, I, I'm, you know what I was thinking as you were doing that? I'm so glad this is Bar's. <laughs> I, I have no idea I what apologize. this is. I apologize. No I've never heard of that. I, it's, if I, you I don't think you it. need to apologize. Okay. No need to apologize. Right. Uh, but a lot of people have heard of, of both those entities. So Tifu is the... the but mo- a lot of people have heard of those entities. Tifu is the, the <laughs> most sure. famous, pro- probably the most famous gamer in the world right now. Has, has Eclipse Ninja in terms of, of following on Twitch Ooh, and on, well, on YouTube. Well, here's a question, I'm, and yeah. I'm being serious. Who's screwing up here? Why do I not know Tifu and I know Ninja? Like, no problem. Well, because Ninja was bigger earlier. So Ninja's been a, a thing for, for two years, right. you know, and Tifu is, you know, the up-and-comer who's now finally eclipsed Ninja's I numbers. Want, when, without me trying... When is this guy going to get in my universe? When is Tifu going to cross my Twitter path? My... I would think at some point soon. And, okay. and this lawsuit will help, I think. Uh, so, you know, this is a pretty big deal in the esports community. Uh, he has sued essentially the team that originally signed him, a team called FaZe Clan, uh, claiming that the employment agreement that they signed was unfair and illegal under California law. Uh, and the employment agreement gives the team kind of wide-ranging claim over a lot of his income streams so 20 percent of his winnings 50 percent of his appearance fees 80 percent of even any, even it, though he's no longer a part of the team or no, he's still part oh, of the he's team. still there yeah, he's okay. still part of the okay. team 80 percent of sponsorship deals that they help bring in 50 percent of the sponsorship deals that he brings in for himself it's a pretty wide-ranging agreement and you know the team claims that they haven't claimed a lot of the things they had rights to in the agreement but it has started a debate within esports about whether contracts are fair whether we should be you know moving towards a system more like traditional sports the players with collective union bargaining in. with players unions or whether it should look more like the music industry, right? Where there's A&R and, you know, if you're a young creator, you usually sign away a lot of the rights to your future income just to kind of help get yourself to the next phase. That's how Bar did it. Yeah, yeah, that was it. I so one, one we'll so, keep an eye on for sure. We'll talk about more in the Tifu. <laughs> this one I know about. The Indy ratings <laughs> for the Indy 500. So just pitch it and talk about it. This you. was uh, now this is NBC. This first year they, they aired it. Uh, the TV-only viewership now. It averaged 5.41 million viewers and delivered a 3.43 household overnight rating. But NBC doesn't care about just linear TV anymore. You know, they're about the the all-in. They give you every number. They give you who watched on the app, who watched on stream. Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, it's better when ABC had it, which was, uh, what, 3.88 back in 2016. So you tell me, the promotion going Mm. in... Was it, I mean, it doesn't seem like a star-driven thing. I, why were more people interested in this Indy 500 than last year? I think, first of all, NBC had it. 
This is the first time NBC ever had this kind of a telecast for the Indy 500. People were curious to see what it was like. Uh, two, uh, if you're a junkie like me, uh, you sat and you just spent your whole Sunday watching Indy, um, all kinds of racing. You started with the Monaco Grand Prix. Uh, congratulations to Lewis Hamilton for winning that. Then you went to the Indy 500. Congratulations to Simon Paginot. Oh, man. Who went to, and he won that on the pole? Yeah, on the Pinson pole. Yeah, car. Yeah. And then uh, you trashed out watching the Coca Cola 600. Congratulations to Martin Truex. Did you notice a difference between the NBC production of the Indy 500 versus what we're, we used to on ABC? Yes. And it was something you said uh, some days ago that you were more interested in seeing some of the stories about well, why is this mm. special? This is, usually, you know, when you get into the race, it's like, okay, so so-and-so broke this rule and blah, 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 blah. But it got more into the stories. Uh, Kelly Clarkston, she's out there singing. So people were involved in this. Dale Earnhardt, Danica Patrick. Yeah, and Mike Tirico, uh, you know. Had, Bring it to the layperson like me. It was good. good. It was good. Okay. Uh, L.A. football naming rights is so, what is it now? Social financing, SoFi. It's known as SoFi. SoFi. Yeah. CEO Anthony Noto used to be the CFO of the NFL, right. shelling out $20 million a year to put the SoFi name on the new stadium in L.A. Number two media market, two football teams, Rams and Chargers, lots of other events. $20 million is not so bad. It's about what MetLife gets, City Field, Evan. Yeah, I, I thought that this was going to be more, Much more right? money. Yeah, yeah, as you said, you know, the, the MetLife City Field, the MetLife deal, 2011, I think. The City Field naming rights deal for the baseball stadium was 2009, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, yeah, the this is a premier, probably the, the most advanced stadium in America, probably certainly the most expensive. I don't like you the fact that we have Jerry's thought. World makes sense, but like Stan Kroenke, Kroenke Land, it doesn't, <laughs> nothing works, nothing works. We'll see, and we don't know what the stadium name is going to be, SoFi It'll Stadium be SoFi or something. something. Yeah, Park, yeah, yeah. something like that. Um, but yeah, no, $20 million a year, certainly a lot. Interesting venue now, venues now, which broke this story earlier this week, mentioned that I believe the CMO at SoFi stepped down partially because she didn't believe that this investment was a smart move right. for the company, which is kind of something that we've heard a bit around. I mean, naming rights deals were kind of a, a given, a foregone conclusion in the past. You know, now we've heard some questions about whether it's worth it for a company to shell out over the course of 20 or 25 years, 400 to 500 million dollars. You said you did, you had the best story when you said Farmer's Field that was going to have it way back when, but it, the, the field original that never LA happened, the original LA happened. Stadium. Everybody talked about Farmer's Field forever and they never had to pay a penny for all that promotion. Yeah. But now, you know, now we'll be thinking about this yep. at SoFi, but this this is a stadium that will exist. So we'll be SoFi in L.A. Now, let's get to this week's interview with Dan Reed, Vice President of Global Sports and Media Partnerships at Facebook. Former NBA guy, right, Dan Reed? Dan Reed, former yeah. NBA guy, ran the, what, he ran the D-League, right. which is now the G-League. So, <laughs> follow the bouncing yeah, ball. Follow it down, but yeah, that's right, Dan's been around, and now he's still doing sports at Facebook. Dan, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And you know what I love, Facebook, by the way? The uh, the memories that pop up every morning, yeah. and just by chance, this morning, sports business for me. Normally, it's my son. Here's then-Mayor Michael Bloomberg and Ferran Soriano when they were uh, announcing something at NYCFC. There you go. See? So, we're, we're bringing back your memories. It, it, did you it, share it? I, no, I did not. I don't think anybody Come cares on, about this. Come on, Scott. Oh, there's Hal Steinbrenner, too, so it must be when the team went. Can we do this for sports? Like, great memories for sports on this day, sort of in sports? Can we sign up for that? I'm, I'm giving you an idea. idea. There we go. What See, do you think? There we go. I like it. I there like we it. go. 
Oh. There we go. Yeah. We're, we're done? We're good? We're good. Okay, cool. But, that's, but Thanks, I wanted guys. to give you an idea. <laughs> tell, tell me, Facebook and sports, are people comfortable with sports and Facebook now? I mean, I think part of it is you want people to be comfortable on your platform. Do you have any metrics to show me that people are getting more comfortable with sports on Facebook? Well, there's over 700 million sports fans on Facebook. That's uh, a good metric. That are, that are engaging with content every day, that are sharing content with their friends, that are watching video, that are posting in groups, that are talking about the game or the trade or whatever's happening. And there's over 300 million sports fans on Instagram. So these platforms are the largest community of sports fans in the world. Uh, and that's why sports is so important to us, not just because there's large audiences, but because sports is inherently social. It brings people together. That's a great fit with our mission as a company to try and you know give people the power to build community and make the world uh, bring the world closer together. And sports does that inherently, and we see that behavior every single day on our platform in a variety of different ways. The prevailing thought has always been: you need the live rights. You got to have the game. Maybe not so much. The games are obviously important. They will always be the you know the anchor of the of the sports experience for the sports fan, but. You know, there's another six and a half days a week where the conversation happens, the highlights are consumed, you know, people are talking about it in a variety of different ways. There's news that are happening, there are trades. You know, the draft is one of the highest rated broadcasts any given year. Um, sports fans just love to engage and talk about sports. And sports is a, it is almost a tribal thing. You know, it, it's a way that people identify with one another and they connect with one another and it breaks down a number of other barriers that exist. And so while the games are really important, we see a broad range of behaviors on our platform. And it, what's really interesting is it wasn't that long ago when all those behaviors were very fragmented. You know, you'd watch the game on television. You'd wake up in the morning and look at the box score in the newspaper. You'd go to the water cooler at work and you talk about it with, you know, your coworkers or your buddies. And then you would go to the mall and buy some merchandise or, you know, whatever. And then you would like literally walk up to the box office and buy tickets. And today, literally, all those behaviors are happening on one device. And now, I'm, device. And now I'm also betting on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right here. My yeah, little phone. There we go. Like, See? This, this is everything. There we go. All those things are happening on one device, and increasingly, they're happening on you know, a few platforms. You know, Facebook and Instagram, you can do all of those things, not betting it. And Wait, Did you say yet? No. I said not betting. <laughs> and, uh, and, and those are, you know, that's the power of this platform, certainly for the industry, where you actually can you know, engage those fans wherever they come in and then through our various tools you know, drive behaviors of consumption that drive revenue for a, you know, for a sports league or a team or a broadcaster, whether it's tickets or merchandise or subscribing or activating a sponsorship, whatever it might be in one place. And it's a much better experience for the fan. And I think that's the, our most sophisticated partners are thinking about our platforms in that way. It's that 24-7 fan engagement platform that, yes, the live game may be a part of it, but it's really about the holistic customer relationship and how you're growing that fan base and how you're converting those into business objectives. And, you know, it's it's the second best thing to having, like, your whole global fan base in your CRM system. I get my Fanatics pop-up ads all the time. There you go. Good idea. Yeah. I think most sports fans, from a live rights perspective, understand that in the past four or five years... So many of the digital companies like Facebook, like Apple, like YouTube, Amazon, have dipped their toe into the water of broadcasting live games. In your own words, what is what are Facebook's aspirations from a, just strictly from a live rights perspective moving forward right now? Yeah, I mean, we, we put the live game in the context of the sort of broader experience that we talked about. And, you know, the, the live games are, we think, it, we think it can be a great fit for us because, again, that live game experience is social. 
people like to watch it with their friends. They like to watch it with fellow fans. They like to root for or against. Uh, you know, they want to sort of identify. And that's the kind of co-watching behavior and community viewing behavior that we're trying to cultivate in Facebook Watch more generally. So we think that's that could be a great fit for our platform. And, you know, it's too early to say where this goes in the long term. But right now, the best way to characterize it is we're we're running a bunch of simultaneous experiments to evaluate mm -hmm. um, whether we can deliver a great experience there, whether there's a business model that's sustainable, um, and whether that makes sense for us. So, you know, uh, you know, the, everyone wants to talk about the premium sports rights, and we have some of those, mostly in Latin America with Copa Libertadores, with UEFA Champions League, uh, we have La Liga uh, in India. Um, we're doing that's that's sort of one bucket of area of area that we're experimenting with and learning a lot. Are these things that the U.S. sports fan? It's not even in the consciousness. They don't even realize that this is happening. Yeah, um, but you know, it's a it's a huge deal in Latin America. Sure. Obviously, it's a big deal in India, um, and you know, the learnings for us are obviously uh, transportable all around the world. We're doing a lot of work in the niche space, so. You know, Iron Man. You know, we we helped drive over four million viewers to Iron Man content last Can year. We plug World Surfing. Surf League. Yeah. We had the CEO World, of the World, World Surf, Surf League. League. Yeah. World Surf League, exactly. And you know, it's sort of even even more niche than that. You know, we're we're having a lot of property success because we can aggregate a larger fan base for them, and again, convert convert those fans into broad variety of business objectives. I think the so anyway, we're we're doing a lot of experimentation there in terms of reinventing the broadcast and bringing interactivity, bringing co-watching, watching with with people um, simultaneously and thinking about, you know, how can you integrate polling and challenges and things like that in, into the live experience. Um, those are all things that we're really interested in experimenting with and, and seeing if we can create a better experience. This old man here may be I the only person who has say, like, the single I, I was just experience. I was just geezer over here. <laughs> and see, now, it, you know, I think one time I called it the book face or whatever happened it was years ago when <laughs> it first came out. Yeah, the instant <laughs> How do you reach to people like me who think streaming is involved with a river? Because we we have got to we've got to learn this. We've we've got to. This is the way it's going to go, whether we like it or not. Well, I, th I think the best way is a little uh, Facebook promos on reruns of Matlock. <laughs> Actually, that's I a was, great idea. I, you know what? I was Look, uh, I was binge watching Perry Mason, man, a couple of nights ago. Can't make it up. Michael, do you have a Facebook account? Oh, I do have a okay. Facebook. So you use Facebook? Just I do not, use but, Facebook. But live video on Facebook is not something that you would associate no, together. No, no. And it's I told you the story about when I went into a Best Buy. And I asked with my son, who was in his 20s, and the clerk was in his 20s, and we're walking, and I said, where's the DVD section? And both of the clerk and my son looked at each other and started laughing. In the graveyard across the street. And they said, Dad, is like, you know, it, we stream now. So I, I guess the original question, we got to get with the program as, as old guys of how do you reach out to us? Well, I think there's a lot of different ways. One is... Just putting it out there and making it, hopefully making it easy to educate you as you go through the process of, okay, how do you start the stream? What is this comment thing? Uh, by the way, you can swipe it and turn it off so you can just watch it. How do you actually uh, watch it on your television? We have a TV app now that's still streaming, so that may be that may be above the bar. But uh, but you know, casting it to your TV, there's a variety of ways above the bar. to sort of make it make it easy to watch. <laughs> but honestly, another another important part of our approach is actually partnering with broadcasters. So if you look at our Copa Libertadores, our UEFA Champions League, our La Liga, 
partnerships. In all three of them, we have entered into a partnership with with linear TV broadcasters to have a portion of those games in a variety of different models on television. Is exclusivity in those agreements, is that the key for you, exclusivity, making sure people have to come to your platform or no? Not always. Okay. Not always. Um, and we realize that there's a, there is a continuum of fans. Uh, some have watched it on television for I won't say how many years. <laughs> and uh, you know others prefer to watch it on a platform like Facebook and, and you know like the, like the watch it on any device, the interactivity, the things that we can provide. And... Um, there's a the consumer tastes are changing, but it's going to be a, a transition period. And with these partnerships, we're we're looking to sort of ease that transition for for all the fans. And and again, broadcasters are great great partners. You know, they 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 often produce the games because we're not we're not a broadcaster. We're the platform. So um, we work with broadcasters to produce the games. We we share games. We've we've gone in together with rights. We've sub licensed to each other. Uh, we're, we're sometimes uh, completely non-exclusive where the game is simulcast on television and on Facebook. Other times we sort of split the games where um, some games are exclusive on television and other games are exclusive on Facebook. We're, we're truly testing a wide variety of models, but that is one strategy is to make sure that all the fans have access to all the games and that we're sort of moving them along this journey. Uh, at a pace that's comfortable for them. We're speaking with Dan Reed, who runs Sports Partnerships and Strategy at Facebook. And Dan, Facebook has 2.4 billion monthly active users. I can't imagine there's a piece of, even if it's exclusive, live sports content that will significantly impact people signing up to use Facebook. Give us a sense of the value proposition of live rights. I mean, you're talking about how it you know, boosts the entire ecosystem. It kind of creates a single place for all these people. How does that affect Facebook's bottom line? I mean, look, you're right in that, you know, there's the budget would have to be really big to buy enough <laughs> sports rights to satisfy the desires of and only John Skipper's got that right people. Uh, and we're not working with that. And so and there's no business model for that today. Right. So the the mode, the 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 approach that we have for video generally is, again, while everyone's very focused on these very few deals, ultimately, what we're trying to build is a is a scalable ad supported platform that publishers across the world and all verticals can use to distribute content and monetize. And there's a, you know, there's a variety of different ways to do that. We're, that sounds kind of like a YouTube almost. It's, it, it's all about scale. Yeah. Right. It, and, and look, by the way, I hope if, if you haven't listened to the show yet, I say scale once a program. It's my favorite word. Great. In sports business. These it's for me, I always say it's the David Stern vision. It's about scale. These arenas, these buildings have a certain number of seats, finite number of seats, finite number of games, do the math. Scales where the money's going to be. Yeah, and look, and that's where we think that's obviously a major advantage of our platform, and and that's the way we have to operate. And so, there's a there's sort of an ad there's an ads business where there's mid roll ads, there's pre roll ads. We're experimenting with um, with sort of non interruptive sort of image ads that you know pop up during during the broadcast, and those are all shared with with publishers. There's a sponsorship model where publishers can sell. Um, you know, a sponsorship to a broadcast and, and keep the revenue, and um, and, and that's an incentive. Um, there, there's a variety of different models that we're really actually relatively early in building, but the that that will be the mutually beneficial business proposition for both ourselves it's, and our publishers is that sort of scaled 
primarily ad-supported model, at least at this stage. You mentioned the, the ads. I keep waiting for kind of a revolution in streaming advertising. It hasn't really happened yet. And, and we saw during the NCAA tournament, I think it was Buffalo Wild Wings, there was a game that went into overtime, and the first ad was a Buffalo Wild Wings ad saying, hey, we're going into overtime, order your wings now. It was kind of the first time I could remember an ad being nimble enough to be, if overtime run this ad, certainly seems as though Facebook would have the technology to, the if Scott and I are watching the same game in our houses yep. on our phones, I see a different ad than Scott does because I have different interests. Right. Are we at that point yet? At what point do we get to the point where the street, the digital ads are Let me are just so add also address the value proposition. The value of each eyeball, I would assume, would skyrocket when you can hard target those ads. Yeah. So that, that actually is what's happening today. Yep. So if, if you guys are both watching a recap of the Mets game, I don't know if you want to, you know, no commentary on the Mets. Uh, if you're both <laughs> we, we watching both a recap of the Mets, if you if you're both watching a recap of the Mets game and there's an ad in the middle of it, you likely will see different mm. ads okay. that are targeted to your interests. Um, and you know, th- the the idea is obviously we believe advertising is better when it's most when it's most relevant to the consumer. That is our model, and we're very focused on that. So I think you'll continue to see that evolution. Um, but I think it is an it is an evolution, and it never quite happens as fast as you think. Like sure. even even as you think about the early, we're still remember, two years ago, Facebook Watch didn't exist, right? Video was still relatively new on Facebook. We were not inserting advertising into videos, right? Two years ago, and now we have a Emmy award winning original show, Tom versus Time, which just won a, a sports Emmy earlier this week. Which I, by the way, I really enjoy. I didn't think I'd be one of these guys to watch it. I kind of enjoyed it. We were we're streaming the UEFA Champions League final on you know in Latin America. Um, we've built we've built for the first time a, an ad product we call Showcase, which is essentially targeted at sort of digital video and TV ad buyers. That is more of a sort of upfront style approach, and we're and we're just at the early stages. You know, the if you think about sort of two years into the advent of television versus radio. You know, they were still taking radio concepts and inserting them into. Bar, is that TV true when that time. happened? Bar, were you? Right? you was that true? You were watching. Uh, right there when Marconi said That's, he was there right. We go. There. Which there. I would like. You know what? You brought up a good point, and I'm sorry if I missed the boat on this, but what what day will that happen when Facebook, maybe like other streamers, like you know the bigger ones like Netflix or this that you know with, with shows where they can bring on a drama, would Facebook ever do something like that one day? Oh, we're we're doing it now. It's already happening. We're doing it now. And they, I mean, we just we just have Steph Curry coming too. Yeah, that's right. We have a we have a Stephen the Stephen versus the Game show, which is the sort of a successor to our versus series, the Tom versus Time that just won an Emmy. Alonzo Ball. We're doing a show called Ball in the Family. And that's all just on on Facebook. That's all. Yeah, that's all original content only on Facebook. Let me get. How does Ball? I want to see Ball in the Family. How's that one end? <laughs> still you gotta in, watch, yeah, Scott. You gotta watch. Let's zoom ahead to that still one. You gotta Medina, watch. hold on, Medina, our producer. I, I, I have to always warn you when I'm about to use a four-letter word, so I'm, I have to use one in this one. And because we have a Facebook executive, Dan Reed here, Sports Partnerships, data. <laughs> <laughs> and I, we had a poll. You say data or data? Data. I say data as well. Okay, good. <laughs> potato or potato? Do you? See? How do you utilize the data? I mean, we, me, Facebook user. You know so much about me. I voluntarily give it to you. How does that help you know your customer and deliver what I want? Well, number one, we're not looking at data for you individually, Scott. We're, we're looking on sort of an aggregated basis, looking at broad trends and understanding where the consumption is. But um, that is a critical part of our approach where as we're evaluating who to partner with, what content resonates, 
we're looking at that data and looking and seeing what it tells us and following that data. And so just to, just to talk about Ball and the Family as an interesting example, um, we, we, the initial instinct was the show should be short. You know, a lot of a lot of consumption happens on mobile. We're thinking like maybe you know 10, 15 minutes uh, of shows, and the completion rates of the show were through the roof. The comments generally were generally like, "We want longer shows, right? We want more. We want more. We want more." That's so literally in the middle. It did. It did surprise us. Oh. So literally in the middle of the season, we 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 went to we went to the producers and said, "Hey, can we make the episodes 20, 25 minutes instead?" And we literally just changed the 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 length of the show and the format of the show in the middle of the season, based on what we were saying with the data and frankly the real time feedback. And again. That's sort of unheard of in in a traditional media environment where you're just not going to get that feedback loop. You're not going to necessarily understand the data at that granular level to be able to do that. You know, similarly, you, you mentioned our WSL partnership. You know, the WSL before we ever entered into some streaming partnership with them had been publishing video on our platform for years, and we had a huge amount of evidence that there's a very large community that loves surfing. They're highly engaged. WSL really had become quite sophisticated in using our platform to drive that engagement. And so they popped off the page as we were evaluating, you know, we're going to take some baby steps into streaming live rights. Um, who should we evaluate partner, partnering with? That was a surprise to some people that that was one of our first partnerships, but the data the data bore that the out things we don't think about, Eben and I, again, we were with the CEO of the uh, World Surf League the other day, and you don't think about, you know, your basketball, your baseball. Yes, baseball has rain, but the World Surf League, she was like, Sometimes we can't have an event. There's no waves. We don't know when. If you know, we have this 10-hour window, and it's possible nothing could happen. Correct. I Correct. mean, you just you just don't. I mean, in the, in the analysis of sports business, things you can forget because you're just not into it. Absolutely, and and I think that's that's true of a lot of different sports. You know that that traditional television distribution has just never worked for them because either structurally the sport you can't program surfing in the live ocean in a two-hour block way ahead of time. You know, there's a lot of a lot of different sports that, you know, for a linear TV window, it's, it's hard to squeeze it into a certain time, doesn't work with, you know, their schedule, doesn't work with attendance, doesn't work with whatever. And um, they're interested in the flexibility that, that broadcasting on a platform with, without those constraints adds a lot of value for them. Is that data piece, I assume this is part of your discussion, when you sit across the table from Major League Baseball, are you saying, listen, you know, we on aggregate can tell you more about your customers your biggest fans than you may get from a from a kind of a linear TV partnership. Yes, that's a that's a really big important um, value proposition, and and again, I think it even goes beyond the the data and insights about your fans. It's the ability to reengage with those fans that I think is really important. So take MLB for example. The you know we we broadcast we're, we're broadcasting live games with them. All of their all recaps of every single MLB game is on our platform. They're the only U.S. sports league that started a group for every single MLB team, mm -hmm. and the engagement in those groups are off the charts. They're sort of this combination of a digital. Imagine a cross between a digital sports bar and talk radio. That's what's Ick. happening. That's what's happening in these groups. <laughs> but but what's but but the real interesting thing. Obviously, they're getting a ton of data and insights on on their fan consumption and behavior. But more importantly, they're using our marketing tools and to re-engage with those fans and drive them into different behaviors. So for the four MLB teams, we worked with four MLB teams at the end of last year to say, you know, people who are watching your recaps, why don't you try and sell tickets to them? So they use our, mm -hmm. our ad products to retarget those audiences who are highly engaged with their game recaps. 
and four teams in this period of a couple of weeks sold a half a million dollars in tickets directly through Facebook. And now we're working with MLB wow. to say, how do we scale that across all 30 MLB teams? Who is the ticket partner there? Uh, their, their, their local own, ticket yeah, partner. Yeah. You know? the, their, the games that they're broadcasting this year, they're selling a sponsor to every, every game. And, and again, the data and insights about who the consumers are matters a lot. The average viewership age of live MLB broadcasts on Facebook are 20 years younger than MLB broadcasts on television. That's extremely attractive to a sponsor. We can tell that story, and that generates incremental revenue opportunities. You can do the same thing with merchandise. You can do the same thing with subscriptions to, to their, their MLB uh, OTT products. And it's, it's, again, it's sort of this second best thing to a CRM system, but with your entire global fan base in, in your database. Mm-hmm. You guys have broadcast exclusive and non-exclusive MLB games is that right? Correct. Do you see what's the main difference that you see between the games you've had that are exclusive and the games you've had that are not exclusive? I mean, there's so many variables. It's not just that variable. It's sure. who the teams are playing and you know what the geolocation is, and so it's it's hard to it's hard to isolate any one element of it. I think the important thing about the MLB partnership is the the prime objective of that MLB partnership is that 24 seven community engagement, fan growth on over the course of a 162 game season, right? It's not like if you're just focused on the live rights, it's, it's sort of missing the point. The, you know, from an MLB perspective, they're interested in how do you continue to build that community of fans over a long season and how do you convert that passion and engagement into consumption behaviors that ultimately drive revenue and value for MLB. And sure, the games are a part of that, but the recaps are a part of that, the groups are a part of that, the sort of constant publishing behavior are a part of that, and all the different ways that you drive the behavior to monetize that are a part of that. Ultimately, the, our most sophisticated partners see Facebook uh, in that way, and it's a much more of a holistic uh, community engagement play than it is a you know a, a live game broadcasting. We'll play. Although that's a very important part of it. We'll let you go on this, Dan. What is coming that maybe we haven't thought about yet? Um, shopping is coming to Instagram. Really? Wow. See. Are you have you have you are you on Instagram? I I, I believe it or not, that, that, I am. That. <laughs> believe it or not, I, sounds I, like his son set him up with an account. It, he's it, never. You know posted. what? And he did. There, was, there we go. Yeah, Mike Junior hooked me up. Hey with man, him. it works. <laughs> uh, and so I, look, I think that that opens up really interesting opportunities. You know, we just we just launched uh, the ability not not just a shopping platform on on Instagram where you can tag you can tag a, a piece of merchandise and actually fulfill it on Instagram called Instagram Checkout. But now we've enabled uh, creators, so public figures, you know, athletes in the sports world, um, to turn that on as well. So you can imagine, you know, at some point in the relatively near future, you know, an athlete is wearing- If LeBron wears it, it's LeBron. LeBron's wearing his, you know, new shoes, his new Nike shoes, and you can fulfill that right away. You know, that opens up a whole new opportunity from a commerce perspective also opens up a whole new opportunity for for sponsorship opportunities, right? And so that, I think, is a really interesting trend to watch. I think the other thing that we haven't talked about here, but it's relevant, is athletes. And and I think the rise of athletes in terms of their direct engagement with fans. Our view is that athletes, in many ways, are, are their own media companies. If you look at the sort of connections that exist between those 700 million sports fans on Facebook, the, there are more connections between athletes and those people than leagues and teams and broadcasters combined. And so athletes have the biggest reach on our platforms, and they and, and so we're working with athletes at scale to help them take advantage of that, create great content, and use our platforms in ways that 
you know, help support their careers both during during their career but after their career. And that's an and, opt-in audience too, so you know they're engaged. Absolutely, absolutely. And so this the Stefan versus the game show that we're doing is a great example of that. But that's on the back of Steph Curry using our platforms organically. He's raised over a hundred thousand dollars for charity using our tools. He's just you know he's engaging. You have a sense for what his real life is like. You know, it used to be that athletes were sort of this untouchable aspirational brand, and now thanks to platforms like ours, they're actual human beings that you can understand their lives and interact with them and engage with them. And that creates, I think, a, a new lane for sports fandom and engagement. Goes back to MTV Cribs. I always say it. Dan Reed, <laughs> VP Global Sports, Media Partnerships at Facebook. Thanks so much for coming in. Cool. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank, Thank you, sir. Thank you, Dan Reed, for introducing an old guy to the technology of what Facebook can really do outside of sending a text to your cousin. Man, I think you took up all my time on my takeaway from the interview, which is not necessarily live sports, but everything around. It's the community aspect of sports. That's what Facebook's going for. Dan did a good job of giving listeners a good idea of what he's pitching when he sits across the table from Roger Goodell or Adam Silver. This data-driven look that Facebook has when it comes to both live rights and other sports content. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since kids. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. This, uh, I, I'm going to save the name, but I'm going to give you the number. It's a lot of words and we haven't even heard a number yet. Ten. Did we do this yet? Did we can do ten or no? We we you I said know it. I now know you know I know and uh, we're gonna make him fall off his bike again, Evan. It's a tribute to our uh, a pal and a listener, Steve Horowitz, baby. That's it. Doing doing good work at the Business of Sports School, ten mm. year mm. anniversary. Congratulations to the school, to Steve, to the kids. Public school in New York, a high school. They're not teaching to be athletes. They're not teaching them the pro sport. What they're doing is utilizing sports and the kids' interest in sports for math, for STEM, just utilizing to help them learn things they're interested in so are more likely to learn. Seems to be working because the graduation rates are pretty darn good. Give us a sense of who speaks at this school because it's a list that's almost as good as our guest list. Can I say Jamie Foxx? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, who else? We've had some athletes, right? Yeah. Adam Silver, Adam I believe, Silver as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, so, you know, Steve leverages his position at uh, Inner Circle Sports and gets the kids uh, some pretty good speakers at that school. Congratulations, Business of Sports School, 10 years. Darn tootin'. You've been listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports, and we're here each and every week at the same time, plus online as a podcast, and you can catch that Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. I'm Evan Novi Williams with the unassailable Twitter handle <laughs> at Novi <laughs> underscore Williams. I shall assail. I'm Scott Soshnick. You can follow me on Twitter at Soshnick, no underscore. Thank you for joining us. Please tune in next week when we speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business industry. See, you two handsome guys, you can handle an underscore. I can't handle an underscore. No, you, could, you couldn't handle an underscore. Anyway, you're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world.